Warning, warning. Two idiots are reading the creepy pastas over the intercoms. Ha 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 ha. Hello and welcome back to Discovering SCP, episode 130. We are back. It's God hard to believe we're already at episode 130 already. It's we're been fucking years. We've been doing this for years. We're I thought we were on a higher episode, to be honest. We're still making this shit? People are still watching it? Yeah, I thought this was over. I thought we ended back on, like, episode This 52. is like Discovering SCP Shippuden. It really is. Everything after we read 5000 is Discovering SCP Shippuden. And then when our fucking kids inevitably take over the goddamn podcast, it'll be... Banhoney. <laughs> Banhoney and Barnell. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, where is the time gone? Well, the, by the time this releases, it will sadly be November. However, in the time of recording... Right now, for me... It's still October, so I don't give a shit. We're gonna keep yeah, so we're doing pastas. one last creepy pasta episode. I do have some oh. bad news before we do it, though. What? I did what? say what I, I gave my word and my pledge that um, <laughs> we would read Ted the Caver. Um, the thing about that is Ted the Caver was simply far too long to be read, and also a slow burn. So if we did it on our usual speed, we would not have actually gotten to the scary bits. Yeah, so I agree. We're doing heavy yeah. hearts. That I think we're not doing Ted the Gamer actually. Maybe next year we'll spend all of October on it, or however long, but we can't do it this year. I'm sorry, it's just the rules. Plus, we just got done doing, the like, rules. God, how many fucking episodes was it to read 7,000? Yeah. So, like, Two. we need a break from, from that. Oh, we're yeah, no, cool no, no, 7,000. What are you talking about, 6,000? No, 7,000 was like three or four episodes, yeah. maybe more. Oh, my goodness. But, also, we but, do still have some creepy poopers for you. Fuck yes, we do. The first one was actually my recommendation because no, I no, remember no, I liking. Already it. Had one. I already had one. So this is the oh, first we're doing one. We're, we're doing yours first. Well, I got mine first before you, so mine goes first. Oh. <sighs> okay, but fine. before we do that, we did you have any news or anything you want to tell us, Donnell? Did I? I um, let me think yeah, about that. That. SCP. Oh, SCP news. Yes, yes, yes. There's a big one. Um, fuck, fuck. Where's the Reddit post? Help me find it. You know what I I'm talking about. You know what he's talking about. <laughs> No, 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 this is important. You know what I'm talking about. God damn it, Anomalous posted it. Where is it? What's he talking about? The, the one from the college about, like... Oh, yes, 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 one... I know what you mean. Where is um, that? I don't... There's too many people on our server, I can't I find they, it! I think it's on uh, Shem's Twitter. Go check out Shem's Twitter. Uh, no, no, I want to read this properly. I'm going to... Okay. God, SCP College Reddit post. Maybe this will do it. No. I fuck, don't know why fuck, I thought that would do it. Just go to Shem's Twitter. <laughs> it's right there. From an anomalous writer in our She's server. I've already got it inside. You've been going, no. Link it to me. Link it to me. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Like I said, we're 130 episodes in. We've got this down to the science. <clears throat> this is a um, reach out from the Academy of Interactive Entertainment. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. I am a representative of the Academy of Interactive Entertainment, Holy and we shit. are thinking of this creating a work program for our students that directly involves this community. Here is some relevant information. Who we are. We are a two-year technical college that specializes in game design, game art, programming, and film visual effects. We are an Australian-based company, but also have location in Louisiana and Seattle. Shout out Louisiana and New Orleans. Yee yee. Uh, why we are posting here. Our Seattle campus has come across the SCP community and fallen in love with the I stories and general sense of community here. As a result, I'm reading their <laughs> post, okay? As a result, we would like to work with content creators in the community in a sort of work program with our students. Basically, we would select our most talented students and set them up with game developers, YouTubers, or anyone else in the community who needs assets made for their SCP-based media endeavors. As stated above, our students are capable of creating 3D models, particle systems, illustrations, and Unity or Unreal-based programming. We are a non-profit school, and we pride ourselves on getting students prepared for the industry and set up with jobs right out of graduation. We saw the SCP community and thought it would be a great opportunity for our students to help you all get the content you need and for them to get some industry experience before graduating. This post is being created to reach out to the community as a whole and see if anyone needs assets like these created at the moment or if there is just any demand for work like this in the community at all. The endeavor is in its infancy and so at this point we would like to see if there is any interest here for artists to create assets. 
If you're a creator or know of any creators who may have an interest in working with some of our students, please feel free to reach out either by DMing this account or leaving a comment on this post. And they also have a Twitter account that followed me that you can reach out to as well. It is uh, Oni Mask Productions. The at is at productions underscore Oni. Basically, um, they're offering free help and they want to collaborate with people in return for work experience or compensation, ideally. But let's be honest, I don't think anyone in the wiki could pay them, although they should, should if you're able to. But basically, if any of you want to make something, I had a couple suggestions. Like I mentioned, they could try doing some sort of big canon or tale mm. series that would act as a portfolio for their work. I directed them to Locke because Locke, they organize big projects. Sherm posted about them on Twitter. Uh, you can see the full post there as well. But please don't hesitate to reach out to them if you have any ideas or want to work with them. I know SCP people, okay? I know you guys are socially anxious and shy and, and get nervous about reaching out first. But this is a really good opportunity, both for you guys as creators and for them to get experience. And they really want to participate. And I would be really sad if they put out this really cool thing and then no one does anything with it other than shares it around. So please, if you have any ideas or want to work with them, please reach out to them. You can find them in my following list on Twitter or at productions underscore Oni. Um, this is a great thing that I think you guys should take advantage of. Already off the top of the bat, one thing I remember is Ignota, I think. Iron Shears did something with like a game, and that would be something really cool. You could work with the Unity program, so just please, please, please take advantage of that. That is my news for this week. Mm. Interesting. Yes, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Um... My That's not a thought. That's an affirmation. <laughs> well, I, it's all, you know, what you have to my head, eh? <laughs> yes, give me the thoughts. Um, I think it's a good opportunity. I'm probably not going to take advantage of it because I'm... That's what I'm afraid of is every content creator is going to do that because they're too nervous and they don't know what to do with it. Well, I've got nothing to do with it, so... You know, exactly. my, my, my ambitions are not high enough that they require more than me. I, I respect that. I'm just begging you guys to not all be of the same mindset because that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. Is this is going to this opportunity is going to completely fly away, uh, and that would make me really sad to see for both parties involved. So please, if you have anything, please reach out to them. I know they already found some work on. I think one of the games, uh, the SCP games. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was this is, um, uh, third-hand information. Keep in mind, so don't take any of this too seriously. Take me seriously. I'm always hey, calm serious. down. Nothing I've ever said is a joke. Um, they were working with... Um, I don't remember. It was one of the games. It's a in their tweets and replies, maybe. Um, ah! Uh, we already got some po promising collaborative possibilities, including at Afreco, which is... Like, the development team behind SCP Pandemic. That's what it was. SCP yeah, Pandemic. Which is based off SCP Pandemic. In a way, I have taken advantage of opportunity. <laughs> Holy shit, guys! He did it! <laughs> you know, through my intermediaries. <laughs> that's so funny. All right. But yeah, there's, there's um, such I guys wasted... Pandemic, guys. They actually do, uh, like, pass along a significant amount of money to me, so I'm forever grateful to them. Wait, what? Don't, don't worry about it. This, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> oh my god, Rich Honey? No, rich Honey be like, mm, my stock well, I never spent portfolio. any fucking money on anything, so I might be Rich Honey at this point. <laughs> That's actually so cool. Do you think they'd be willing to give us, like, beta keys so we could fucking, like, get first dibs on posting Let's Play? Don't know. Uh, what, what if I told you they did give me uh, beta keys, but I just forgot to give them <laughs> to you? Um, I, so can we play it? Is that what we're doing next week? I don't know. Well, I guess we can. Give me the... Alright, we'll, we'll work that out right after now. this episode. Yeah, we have creepy poops to read. SCP is now out of your mind. Now that the new section is over, this is no, no longer SCP, SCP podcast. It's over. <laughs> SCP is over, party. Alright, hit me with that first link. Okay, I'll get it for you. Uh, so we're beginning with suicidebounce.avi. This is the OG. This is the original. As far as I'm concerned, this is the creepypasta prologue. It really is. This what is, is like the one? iconic... This is this is the creepypasta. Alright, hit us. So do any of you remember those Mickey Mouse cartoons from the nineteen thirties? Yeah, those those obscure <laughs> Mickey Mouse cartoons. Yeah, I don't know. That, I've never heard of that character. The ones that were just put on DVD a few years ago. Not oh here. this reminds me. Sorry. I had an idea the other day when I was playing Villainous. I was like, they should have an endgame for Disney where like all the Disney villains get together. 
and like fight. And someone said there was like an episode from a TV show that did that, but I don't remember what it was called. Cool but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like no, no. But I mean, like all the Disney villains, like Ur- Ursula and Maleficent, and and all them. And they and it would be, and then all the Disney heroes could get together. It'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Continue. Um. What was I? Um. Well, I hear well, there is I hear one there that is. is unreleased to even most avid classic Disney fans. Even the most avid. Even me, even me, a Disney adult. That's surprising to me because have you seen the most avid classic Disney fans? Yeah, they would have. They would have suicide mouths. <laughs> They go they into like fucking Disneyland abandoned core and pry loose Buzzy the animatronic. They know about Suicide Mouse. They would they would hold the CEO at gunpoint and say, "Where is Suicide Mouse?" I, I can take it. I'm different. <laughs> According to sources, it's nothing special. It's just a continuous loop, like Flintstones, of Mickey walking past six buildings. It goes on for two or three minutes before fading out. Unlike the cutesy tunes put in, though, the song in this cartoon was not a song at all. Just a constant banging on the piano for a minute and a half before going to white noise for the remainder of the film. It wasn't the jolly old Milky we've come to love either. Mickey wasn't dancing, not even smiling. Just kind of walking as if you and I were walking, with a normal facial expression. But for some reason, his head tilted side to side as he kept this dismal look. That's how I walk. Damn. Um, Damn, <laughs> I'm burning my soul here, he's making jokes. Up until a year or two ago, everyone believed that after it cut to black, and that was it. When Leonard Maltin was reviewing the cartoon he put in the complete series, he decided it was too junk to be on the DVD. But wanted to have a digital copy due to the fact that it was a creation of Walt. Treasure. When he had the digitized version up on his computer to look at the file, he noticed something. The cartoon was actually 9 minutes and 4 seconds long. This is what my soul okay. This pisses me off because this idea, right, is that no one stayed three extra minutes after the black screen. No one ever walked away. Why do people it think on. it's like three minutes though, like specifically? Because that means well, because it cuts to black. The room three minutes in. Yeah, exactly. Like, so they say the original was three minutes, and then it's not till the six oh, minutes starts up. That. But, but even on original film, there would be a noise when the film's done reeling, so they would know there's still film left. That's this pisses me off. It was just, already it was just that boring, I guess. Yeah, they were like, alright, we're done with Mickey walking. Like, fuck you, Mickey. This is what my source emailed to me, in full. He is a personal assistant of one of the high executives at Disney, an acquaintance of Milton Ma- Mr. Malton himself. <gasps> Mr. Malton? Who's that? After it cut to black, it stayed like that until the sixth minute, before going back into Mickey walking. Sound was different this time. It was a murmur. It wasn't a language, but more like a gurgled cry. As the noise got more indistinguishable and loud over the next minutes, the picture began to get weird. The sidewalk started to go in directions that seemed impossible based on the physics of Mickey's walking. And a dismal face of the mouse was slowly curling into a smirk. Just like Skipper. On the seventh minute, he used heartbeat freedom. (laughs) (laughs) The murmur turned into a blood-curdling scream. The kind of scream that curdles your blood. And the picture was getting more obscure. Colors were happening that shouldn't have been possible at the time. Mickey's face began to fall apart. His eyes rolled on the bottom of his chin like two marbles in a fishbowl, and his curled smile pointed upward on the left side of his face. This is this pisses me off because they said it was they said it was digitized from a film, right? You could color film at that no. time. Impossible group. It was t- it was TVs, it was home TVs that space. couldn't display color. Um, I'm mad. With a color out of space. <laughs> I see. The buildings became rubble, floating in mid-air, and the sidewalk was still impossibly navigating in warped directions. There's only so many directions on 2D planes, so I don't really get this bit either. Yeah, who knows? A few seemingly inconceivable with what we as humans know about direction. Mr. Malton got disturbed and left the room, sending an employee to finish the video and take notes of everything happening up until the last second. And afterwards, immediately stored a disc of the cartoon into the vault. This distorted screaming lasts until eight minutes and a few seconds in, and then it abruptly cuts the Mickey Mouse face at the credits the end of every video, without sound like a broken music box playing in the background. Thank you so much for playing my game. <laughs> this happened for about 30 seconds. What we in that remaining 30 seconds, I haven't been able to get a sliver of information about. From a security guard working under me, who was making rounds outside that room, 
I was told that after the last frame, the employees stumble out of the room with pale skin saying, real suffering is not known seven <laughs> times, before speedily taking the guard's pistol and offing himself on the spot. The thing I could get out of Leela at Malton was that the last frame was a piece of Russian text that roughly said, the sights of hell bring its viewers back in. As far as I know, no one else has seen it. But there have been dozens of attempts at getting the file on rapid share updated by employees inside <laughs> the studios, all of whom have been promptly terminated of their jobs. Whether it got online or not is up for debate, but if rumours serve me right, it's online somewhere under suicidemouse.avi. If you ever find a copy of the film, I want you to never view it and to contact me on the phone immediately, regardless of the time. When a Disney death is covered up as well as this, it means it has to be something huge. Does it? Because I feel like, if anything, Disney could cover up any Disney death, regardless of the circumstances. capitalized my ability. Oh my god. Get back at me, Theodore Roosevelt. I've yet to find a copy of this, but it is out there. I know it. In the last 30 seconds, Mickey Mouse looks at the camera and says, it will get worse. <laughs> That was an interesting one. Well, it's a classic. You know, we, we know what happens, but... Hold on. Top comment from about 10 days ago says, I read this cre- creepypasta with the Burger King foot lettuce meme included and called it Burger King, Burger King foot lettuce mouse.avi with the voice of the Burger King foot lettuce guy. Very cool, Robas. <laughs> I do see someone actually made, like, uh, a yeah, little video. Yeah, there was thousands of these. That's very cool. Um, All right. Um, this on its own is not impressive whatsoever, but I do think it's cool to inspire a lot of people to do, yeah, and it inspired a lot of people to do their take of an actual suicidemouse.avi, so all the power to you. Um, alright, are we ready for the good one now? Sure. I'm talking this one up, but I'm gonna... Come back to me at any point. Sure. I'm gonna feel bad if this one's not as good as I remember, but I remember really... I don't know this one at all. So, so I listened to this one a while back when I was in the creepypasta stuff, and it got me on a kick of, like, reading ritual creepypastas, which is, like, stories designed as, um... Yeah. Like, instructions to a game. You did an SCP that was really similar, actually. Yeah, the roundabout game. They very much based off these. And, And I've always very much liked them. However, it's very hard to do them well. And this one I thought did it pretty well. I do every time I read one, I do it in real life, and nothing fucking happens. So I yeah, well, yeah, because they're all fake. <laughs> all right, get ready. Uh, this one's fairly long, but I think it should fit within our hour time frame. It's not like unduly long. Okay. Pray for devils have no reason. Satan waits to curse your ways. Have you seen it in his eyes in the sunset? Have you wondered if he's laughing when he plays? Kansas, the devil game. This is a set of instructions for how to speak with the devil, which, as those of you with any sort of brains at all might note, is a patently moronic proposition on the face of it, one likely to culminate in any number of thoroughly unpleasant fates. Honestly, it would probably be smarter to publish your credit card number on Facebook or take up a career in crocodile wrestling. But then, that isn't going to stop you, is it? Not if you're sincerely interested, at least. Technically, if you do everything just right, there's a fair chance you'll walk away scot-free. And that seems to be reason enough for some people to decide that it's a good idea. Especially if you are the fate-tempting, thrill-seeking, scared junkie type. Or the desperate type. Which brings me to a point of clarification I ought to make. This is not a manual for making any kind of Faustian bargain. You know, the whole sell-your-soul type of deal. Although if you happen to bring it up in conversation, he certainly wouldn't be one to refuse. Following through with such a foolhardy bargain, however, would necessitate removing some of the protections which you will put in place for your conversation, and I don't think I need to spell out for you why that would be a bad idea. If you're really mathematically impaired enough to want to trade something that will last an infinite number of years for something that might last about 90 tops, there are plenty of other rituals out there for you to follow. This one, if performed correctly, should only allow the two of you to talk. This perhaps begs the question of why exactly you would want to speak with the devil in the first place. Maybe yeah, some of you just like the just idea of making... Maybe I want to see how he's feeling. Maybe he's <laughs> yeah, crying and I need to call him. Say, yeah, they always call say... The devil, um, he's crying. No one ever asks, how is the devil? Maybe some of you just like the idea of making small talk with extremely dangerous occult entities. But for the sake of the human race, I hope most of you aren't quite that stupid. Short answer is, he knows things. Things that some of you may have a deep, vested interest in finding out. 
I mean, he's not omniscient or anything, much as he might like to pretend otherwise. He's not God, but he's definitely got a supernatural advantage over the kind of knowledge any human would be able to obtain. For example, he probably wouldn't be able to predict when the next world war will happen or tell you the cure for cancer, but he could very well be able to predict the winning numbers of tomorrow's $500 million Powerball drawing, or tell you what deadly undiagnosed condition might be afflicting one of your loved ones. I don't of course, understand that, because it's like, those, those two aren't, these two like, different ones aren't as different as it implies. It's like, if he can tell what deadly undiagnosed conditions might be affecting one of your loved ones, why can't, why doesn't he know the cure for cancer? You can clearly well, see just, the future if you can tell me the lottery numbers. Just because he can tell you... Well, no, because the lottery numbers don't, are decided before they go up, if you didn't know that. Oh. So he would, like, be in the facility, you know. And knowing an undiagnosed it's, it's disease... like Solid Snake. Yeah. Because, like, you know, they aren't decided the, the second they go on TV. They're decided beforehand. Well, yeah, but the way it's phrased, it sort of implies precognition, I thought. Maybe, or perhaps you're mentally insane. Well, there's, there's the assumption in a work where it's like, I can tell you tomorrow's lottery numbers. The thing you're, the viewer you're meant to think is he can see the future, not, oh, he can turn invisible and go to Lottery HQ to find out. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what he can do. Because they decide it before the day of the lottery. Alright. <clears throat> Of course, the Prince of Darkness doesn't just go around giving out winning lottery numbers to anybody who asks. And trusting any sort of information obtained from a being commonly described as the father of all lies is liable to land you in a worse situation than you were in when you started. However, if you're really dead set on finding something out and, you've exhaust- and you're exhausted all other options, there is a way to try to get accurate information out of the guy. You see, like so many of the more urbane villains in popular culture, the devil has a bit of a penchant for games and gambling. Of course, the reason he likes them so much is that he almost wins. Unless you happen to be a fiddler named Johnny, or are are being... That's true. Or are being represented by Daniel Webster, you're probably going to get your ass handed to you. But, if you're determined enough to want to face the risks and the long odds, there's a certain game the two of you could play to try to win the information you need. First things first, though. Oh my god, do you have to play League of Legends with the devil? We'll start off with... Yeah, he's your AD carry. We'll start off with a description of the summoning process, then get into the rules of the game, some tips for how to play, and finally, of course, the inevitable litany of arcane shit that might go horribly wrong. In order to contact your conversational partner, you'll need to go to a church at midnight. It doesn't matter what kind of church, large or small, old or new, liberal or conservative, just as long as your shirt will be empty. The last thing you want is for some preacher to walk in on you while you're in the middle of this, for the sake of the preacher's well-being as much as your own. The process will probably work best if you try it on a new moon, or a full moon, or Friday the 13th, or Halloween. The actual day is less important than the psychological effect it has on you. As long as you don't try it on Christmas Eve or something stupid like that, you should be fine. Summon Santa to the Satan. Damn. <laughs> He's like, ho ho ho! I know what you're getting for Christmas. I know you're on the naughty list! The time is... I can't get a gift, no one can. (laughs) Kill him. The time... Oh my god, you wouldn't dare. Hey, don't kill Santa. (laughs) You think you can stun me against me? Do you know Tim Allen rules? If you kill Santa, you have to be Santa. Exactly. (laughs) The time is important, though. You don't have to start or end your ritual at exactly 12am Greenwich Atomic Time or anything. But as a general rule of thumb, you ought to show up a bit before midnight and have everything set up by no later than 10 or 15 after. Show up a lot before midnight if you don't know how you're going to get in. Shockingly enough, most houses of God do tend to lock their doors at night. At least if no one's there to watch over them. And remember, we want empty. Got it? There are, of course, certain things you need to bring and certain things you can't bring. For this ritual, you will need a full can of salt. You won't need to use all of it, but it's always better to have more than you need than to have less. Seven candles, red or white being preferable. Something to light the candles with. You would be shocked how often people forget this. A cult ritual or not, they aren't going to magically light themselves. A length of <laughs> got em. A length of red string, rope, yarn, or thread. A full length floor or wall mirror. Ideally, you'll want to find one of these already present in the church. They're a bit unwieldy to be lugging around with you during a break-in. However, if there really aren't any there, you'll have to bring your own. You might also find it useful to bring some markers, pencils, paper, a flashlight, and any sort of tools that might be necessary to secure your entrance into the church. You will not be permitted to bring in any electronic or timekeeping devices. 
This includes all cell phones, smartphones, tablets, e-readers, MP3 players, PDAs, calculators, wristwatches, pocket watches, kitchen timers, hourglasses, etc., etc., etc. Seriously, it is worse than the SAT. If you're one of those people that has your smartphone practically wired into your brain, don't worry. You can bring those things with you to the church as long as you leave them outside the room in which you will be doing the ritual. If you brought a flashlight, helpful for finding your way around without attracting unwanted attention, leave that outside too. Also, don't bring in any sort of religious paraphernalia to protect you, especially if it pertains to the Abrahamic religions. And yes, if those goth-e black cross earrings you're wearing are hanging right side up, they count. If you have any kind of holy symbols with that with you, the devil will simply refuse to show up. Don't worry, you're not going in totally unprotected. In fact, most of the supplies with you are not for any sort of devil-summoning ritual, but for your own protection. Old superstitions and folk magic remedies to guard oneself from evil. From what I know of it, the effect's mostly based on the power of belief, so there are probably numerous other objects, artifacts, and procedures that would work just as well. If you'd like to risk being left helpless at the mercy of the devil in order to test that theory, feel free to experiment. However, for anyone without a psychotic death wish, I'd recommend sticking to the ritual as follows. This guy's so judgy. He's like, just tell me how to talk to the devil. Stop making fun of me. (laughs) He just knows the kind of guy you are. (laughs) He's going to be like full metal alchemist and summon the devil and absorb him. (laughs) <laughs> Once you're sure you have all the right supplies with you, make your way into the church and find some place to set up. It can be anywhere from the main sanctuary where services are held, to a Sunday school classroom, to a walk-in supply closet. As long as you have a sufficient amount of open floor space, and are certain not to be disturbed. Set up your mirror first. This is where the devil will appear when you summon him. As such, you mustn't complete the summoning until you've laid down certain wards around it. First, surround the mirror with an unbroken circle of salt. If the mirror is hanging on a wall or door, lay down a semicircle around it instead, making sure that the salt touches the wall at both ends. Then, wrap your red string around the mirror several times. The color red, especially red string, is symbolic of protection in the folklore of many cultures and religions. This is also why red candles are a good idea. Speaking of the candles, set them up around the outside of your circle or semicircle of salt, spaced at relatively even intervals. No, you do not have to get out measuring tape and make it exactly perfect, but do at least try to make it look as if though it was set up by someone old enough to be trusted with matches. Light the candles in a clockwise fashion, being careful not to disturb the salt. If you break the circle, you'll have to start all over again. Once all of the candles are lit and burning strongly, your protective wards are complete. You are now ready to proceed to the actual summoning. To do so, you first must get the devil's attention and demonstrate your resolve by performing some sort of sacrilegious act in the holy space. Turning a crucifix or cross upside down is fairly conventional, but it's not the only option. For example, I know of a kid who once fulfilled this requirement by scribbling obnoxious graffiti all over a painting of Jesus hanging in his Sunday school classroom. The nice thing about turning a cross upside down is that once you've finished your encounter, assuming you've survived it in one piece, you can just flip it right side up again and no one's the wiser. Sidestepping the relatively minor but still irritating risk of having your Sunday school turn into a reenactment of the Spanish Inquisition for the next month and a half. After you finish doing whatever offensive thing you decide on, shut all doors to the room and turn off all of the lights so that the space is lit only by the candles. Face the mirror and stare deeply into it, concentrating on your desired outcome. There are no incantations, no arcane strings of Latin you have to recite. Just look into the mirror and wish as hard as you can for the devil to appear there. After a few moments of this, when you feel ready, close your eyes and count to ten, then open them. There will be a guy with a giant white head with a big grin. (laughs) Yeah, he will smirk at you as you go across the counter. Uh, a T on his forehead, standing for T her devil. The devil. The devil. That's so yeah. good. If all has gone correct, actually, I just realized T D Tanoni Darnell Tenacious D the devil. Think about it. Hmm? If all has gone correctly, you will no longer see your own reflection. You will be looking at the devil. Or at least looking at the way the devil has chosen to appear to you. Chances are you won't look like your conventional red-horned demon with goat legs and a pitchfork, nor any other sort of terrible apparition. No point in scaring you off now. Better to lure you in, make you feel safe. To that end, he generally takes on the appearance of a fairly average, nondescript human being. If anything, he's prone to vanity and will lean towards the more attractive end of the spectrum. The only really frightening part of him will be his eyes. No matter how hard he tries, he can't hide the sinister gleams smoldering deep within them. The malevolent amusement and hunger like the eyes of a spider contemplating a fly struggling in its web. They are supremely confident, those eyes. Confident and without pity. Don't look into them too deeply or you'll begin to feel helpless and paralyzed with dread, losing your hope and your will to fight. 
since you'll probably be j- since you will probably be just standing there staring at him in shock for a few moments, pogging. having on some level expected for the ritual to fail, pogging. Oh, he'll initiate the conversation by asking you what it is you desire from him. If you can gather your wits enough to string together a coherent sentence, you should respond with something like, I wish to challenge you in a game of question and response. Uh, do you want to take over for a bit? Yeah, sure. Even if you don't get the words exactly right, he'll know what you mean, and he'll accept your request with a wide, predatory grin of anticipation. It is me. He's been playing this game <laughs> for a long time, you see, and he's very good at it. Most humans, on the other hand, are very bad at it. It gives him a chance to, at the very least, thoroughly mess with your mind, and at most, well, we'll save that for the, for the litany of shit that could go wrong. You'll have to play it very smart to avoid justifying his expectations. The general rules of the game are very simple, with a few caveats that can make things more complicated. We'll begin by asking you a question. You always initiates the game. It can be anything from a piece of obscure trivia to a riddle to an extremely personal inquiry. Don't worry, you won't be immediately plunged into hell if you get the wrong answer or anything like that. As a matter of fact, he won't even tell you whether you got the answer right or wrong. After you've answered his questions, you get to ask him one in return. Now, here's where the consequence of your response come in. If you answered his last question correctly, he will respond to your question as honestly and accurately as he's able. However, if you answered it incorrectly, he is free to lie to you as he sees fit. Perhaps if you've asked him something you're better off not knowing, he'll tell the truth about it anyway. Most likely, he'll feed you the most insidious, damaging lie you come up with. Either way, after you've responded, he'll ask you another question. The process will repeat over and over again until you decide to call it quits. Now, you may be sitting there thinking it sounds fairly easy to get the information you need. All you have to do is wait for a question you can answer correctly, and then take the opportunity to ask him what you really want to know, ignoring everything else he said. Well, it's not that simple. The devil will never give you an easy question, one that you can be completely sure of the answer to. Um, maybe for these bozos, but I've actually got a quite high IQ. <laughs> I could answer any question. That's so instead true. give you the questions that you have some vague knowledge of, that you think maybe you know the answer to, but aren't really confident, thus forcing you to endlessly second-guess yourself obsessing over whether or not you can trust the information that he gave you next. Perhaps you'll think what he said was a lie, wish it was a lie, but be eternally consumed by doubt, unable to fully convince itself that you were wrong. Or perhaps you may have to make a huge choice based on the information that he gave you, and be tormented by fear and indecisiveness as you realise that your fate, and perhaps that of others as well, rests entirely upon whether or not you're able to correctly recall some arcane piece of trivia that you don't even remember now. You'll never remember the exact questions the devil asked you, by the way. That would make it too easy for you to go back and check on your responses. This is why you can't take the phone in, but just start Googling it. Yeah, exactly. Like, Stop. <laughs> no, that's cheating! Or maybe, instead of testing your knowledge, he'll ask you something personal, something you even lie to yourself about. You'll answer back to him, thinking you've got the question correct. No, I don't resent my sister. Yes, I would turn the money into the police. But he'll know better. He'll know better than you do that you're lying, and he'll lie to you in return. And you'll believe him. You'll believe him until you're no longer able to deceive yourself, and then it might be too late. Your shadow will appear. Or maybe. Maybe he won't even give you a chance to get an accurate response at all. Maybe he'll just ask you endless strings of completely impossible questions, making you more and more frustrated and disheartened as he realises you'll never be able to tell you the truth. Questions like, What was the exact height of Mount Everest in centimetres in the year 1666? Or... What is the earth's speed velocity of an unmaiden swallow? Although, knowing his sense of humour, if he ever asked the latter, he might consider African or European a correct response. Very good reference. Heck yes. There are a couple of ways to short-circuit this particular strategy, however. Additional rules and courses of action to make the game more interesting and prevent you from being stonewalled completely. Although, in all honesty, he probably wants for you to try one of these options anyway. The first option is to ask him a riddle instead of a question. If you somehow manage to stump him and he answers the riddle wrong or gives up, he'll be obligated to give you a truthful response to your next question. If he answers the riddle correctly, once again, don't worry, he won't pounce on you like a sphinx or drag you into hell. What will happen is it will get a pass, allowing him to rely in response to one question you would otherwise be obligated to answer truthfully. However, if he gets a pass, you might as well just give up and quit the game right there. The rage quit with the devil. Yeah, pretty much. Throw the mirror. <laughs> it's nearly impossible to determine when he's telling you the truth under the best conditions. Adding another layer of complexity by constantly trying to figure out when and if he's used his pass is about enough to make any normal person's brain explode. There's no way, just forget it. 
The second option is for you to take a dare from him. If you accept it and vow to follow through, then once again he'll have to answer your next question truthfully. If you choose instead to reject it, he'll get another pass. Now, before you freak out and reject that whole idea completely, you should know that he won't ask you to do something anything overly dramatic or unspeakably evil, like blow up a hospital or murder somebody. As a rule of thumb, most dares won't involve direct loss of life or any major felonies. However, they certainly won't be easy. Inflicting severe pain on yourself, doing something that terrifies the shit out of you, putting off a tragic relationship, publicly humiliating yourself as someone you love, all of these things and more, things you might not be even able to imagine are completely on the table. If you're willing to go that far, to put yourself in that kind of position, you'll get your answer. However, if you manage to come up with the one thing you know you simply can't or won't do, well then once again you might as well just quit. One last thing. Don't think you can just tell him you're going to do something and then not do it. If you accept a dare and then don't follow through with it, well let's just say there will be consequences. Just look it up and keep your promise no matter what it was. Trust me, you're better off that way. Finally, when you've even got the information you wanted or given upon it completely, you may end the ritual by simply thanking the devil for accepting your request, bowing politely at the waist and bidding him farewell. The surface of the mirror will seem to swim and flicker for a moment, and they'll be looking at your own reflection again. Only when you're absolutely certain that you're looking into your own two eyes, again, may you turn away from the mirror, flick the lights back on, and begin dismantling your protections. Now, and this is important, even if you haven't got the information that you wanted, you must end the ritual in this manner before 66 minutes have elapsed. Well, I suppose that technically you have 66 minutes and 6 seconds, so all right. But if you're seriously going to try and put that close without any kind of timekeeping device, you're probably screwed anyway. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you keep to this time limit. I'll save the reason behind that for the end, but don't skip ahead. I've still got a few important tips on how to play. I've got a little surprise for you at the end. <laughs> uh, Popcorn, back to you for these numbered ones. Sure. One, be very careful what sort of personal information you give out. Try not to talk about yourself, (laughs) especially your emotions and problems, any more than absolutely necessary. This guy knows human psychology like the back of his hand, and he will get inside of your head. It's like talking to Hannibal Lecter. Give him enough to work with, and even if you don't believe a single word he says, he will still find ways to fuck with your mind like nobody's business. If anything he asks makes you even remotely uncomfortable, do not hesitate to lie through your teeth. There will be plenty of other questions. On a similar note, try to keep the game on track and moving briskly. Unstructured interactions of any kind are to be avoided. Chances are that at some point he will try to draw you off on a tangent, discussing something that fascinates you, analyzing a response you've given him, or finding some other excuse to speak at length about moving the game forward. This is not only a waste of valuable time, but also another excellent opportunity to mess with your mind. If you choose to give him a question, use one, or sorry, if you choose to give him a riddle, use one you've made up yourself. If your riddle has ever been written down anywhere at all, from the pages of The Hobbit to some long-lost tome of ancient magic, he will already know the answer. That said, it has to be a legitimate riddle with an answer that makes logical sense from some angle. You can't just ask something like, what's green, has ten legs and hops, then claim for some inexplicable reason that the answer is marshmallow. Nor can you ask him a straight question like, what have I got in my pocket? He probably knows that anyway. There are no hard and fast rules to determine whether a riddle makes sense or not, but you are a reasonable human being. Your ancestors ate from the tree of knowledge. Please, for the love of crap, use common sense. If you choose to take a dare... (laughs) Who knows? Wink, wink. If you choose to take a dare, there's a slight chance that the devil will ask you to do something seemingly easy. Deliver a letter, for instance, or scribble a ten-digit number in a public restroom stall. If he does ask you for something like this and you have even a shred of common decency in you, do not accept. Chances are that he's using you to further some sinister plot, one liable to ruin a lot of lives and harm a lot of people. Who knows, maybe you're the type of person who really doesn't mind throwing an unknown number of total strangers under a bus to find out what you want to know. But at least be aware that is what you are doing. Last but not least, be very aware of the time. It might be helpful to do some practicing beforehand and get a feel for how long an hour is without a watch. The devil will probably put off discussing the things you're most keen to find out for as long as he can. And as you near the 66-minute deadline, he'll start trying harder and harder to distract you, captivate you, and otherwise keep you playing until it's too late. He'll string you along, feed you little glimmers of false hope, and keep you thinking, just a few more minutes, I'm almost there. Don't fall for it, don't go over the time limit, no matter what. Now, you might be thinking that this game really doesn't sound all that dangerous so far. Threats of psychological damage rarely seem to carry the same weight as threats of physical damage, even though their costs are often just as great. 
Hate to bust, burst your bubble, but the game is far from safe. There are plenty of ways for you to seriously screw yourself over, both physically and mentally, and not to mention spiritually. And it is with these that I will include in the vain hope that they make some sort of impression. Oh. <clears throat> First, while you are speaking with the devil, do not let him out of your sight. Keep staring into the mirror, the mirror no matter what happens. He will undoubtedly try various tricks to make you look away. You'll hear noises behind you, feel eyes on the back of your neck, see shadowy phantoms writhing in the depths of the mirror. A cold breath will blow upon you from behind, smelling like the crypt. A deep silence will settle, only to be interrupted by a loud smack directly behind your head, giving you about the worst jump scare you've ever had. Hell, the devil may even abandon a measure of his own dignified facade and give a sudden jump of feigned shock, shouting loudly and pointing behind you with a very convincing look of terror on his face. Whatever he might test you with, you must not look away from him. If you look away, if you lose sight of him completely, even for one second, you will look back at the mirror to find him gone. Well, not <laughs> well, not gone, out of the mirror in the room, with you. Exactly how much of your body the police will find the next morning and what state it's in will depend entirely on the sort of mood he's in. The same thing goes if you break any of the protections you laid down before beginning the ritual. Interrupting the circle of salt, letting the red string unwind, knocking over a candle or letting one go out, any of these things will free him from the mirror and then, well, you're all a bunch of creative horror junkies. I'm sure you can fill in the blanks. Uh, on a different topic, you may reach a point in the game, probably after a long series of maddeningly impossible questions, where the devil asks you the deceptively simple question, what is your full name? You must not give it to him. Names can be things of great power. Although the devil will, of course, already know your name, telling it to him yourself is akin to inviting a vampire into your home. That's what your name is the same with me. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same. That's why, That's why I have to use Darnell. Can I have your name? <laughs> <laughs> Your name is deeply synonymous with your own inner self, thus giving him your name is powerfully symbolic of giving him yourself. If you are foolish enough to, to make this mistake, all of your protections will be for naught, and he will seize upon your unwitting offer with malicious greed, glee, stealing away your soul and dragging it back with him into hell. At least this way, the police will find a complete, identifiable body. As a matter of fact, your vacant shell will be totally unblemished, seemingly having dropped dead of sheer terror. Last but not least, there's a matter of what happens if you go over the time limit. This is arguably the worst thing you can do. You won't think so at first. The devil will give you no indication that you have in fact exceeded the time limit, and you will conclude the ritual as if nothing had gone wrong. Perhaps, as the devil's image in the mirror trembles and gives way, you'll see a particularly nasty, triumphant smirk flash across his face. But this will be easily dismissed as your imagination. You'll turn the lights back on, gather your belongings, and go leave the room. But when you open the door, you will see nothing. That's right, nothing. Just a flat, white void extending infinitely in all directions. Only the room which was reflected in the mirror will now exist. Popcorn. Incidentally, if you turn around back around to face the mirror again, you may catch a last glimpse of your own reflection. Perhaps it will even turn and favor you with a smirk and a cheeky wave before sweeping out the door into the perfectly normal church hallway outside. As you may have already figured out, you yourself are no longer in the church. Your soul is now trapped in the mirror, and the devil has taken the liberty of possessing your body, now that you are no longer using it. Pound on the glass and scream all you like. You'll never get out on your own, and no exorcist can help you. But don't worry. It's not like you're in hell, right? At least not necessarily. What you have to understand, see, is that a human soul stripped bare of its flesh is a deeply volatile and vulnerable thing, especially when trapped in the land of the living. You are now an entity of purely mental properties, and as such, the barriers between what is real to you and what is imaginary have been completely dissolved. As you fill that reflected room with your anger, your sorrow, your fear of being trapped, these emotions will begin to coalesce, given form by your mind. If you're not particularly imaginative, these creatures may be not too terrible, may not be able to inflict too much horror and pain. With time, you may even be able to teach yourself to get rid of them. If, however, yours is a mind haunted by monsters, a mind that is vibrantly created and imaginative and more than usually twisted, well, there is no telling what horrors might unclawing their way out of the maelstrom, tasting sweet release from the confines of your subconscious, hungering for your terror and suffering. They will refuse to be banished, dragging you kicking and screaming into an endless positive feedback loop of pain and fear. Needless to say, if you're a regular patron of websites like this one, you're probably pretty well fucked. Welcome to your twisted mind. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find release from the mirror and the world that you've created therein. They say that if you call to the devil once more and ask him to free you from the mirror, he'll be willing to take you out. For the usual fee, of course. Who knows? Maybe if your imagination is twisted and powerful enough to create personal hell that leaves you begging for the real thing, those talents might be put to good use. 
There are over 7 billion people in the world, after all. Even the devil himself can't be messing with all their minds at once. Talented help is always appreciated. Of course, the corollary to your being trapped inside the mirror is the devil getting now gets to do whatever he wants in your body until sunrise. Around that time, your body will mercifully drop dead from the strain of the possession. Autopsy will probably identify the cause of some kind of coronary event. Don't get too relieved, though. He's perfectly capable of stirring up plenty of trouble in those few hours. For instance, you may decide to do something big and dramatic, like purchase a large meat cleaver and go on a murder spree like he buys it. <laughs> Starting with the names Damn. in your address book and working his way out to complete strangers if he has time. Or perhaps he'll focus on only one person, someone who trusts you completely, using your persona to get them alone and vulnerable, and then... Well, no need to describe it here. Once again, I'm sure you can think of a few things. Starting to see why I call this the worst outcome yet? Of course. There's also a chance he won't lay a finger on any of your loved ones. Instead, time to do something a little more subtle, more insidious. Like drop on a new, few nondescript, unmarked passages on certain doorsteps in the dangerous part of time. Or locate a particularly dusty, age yellow text in the storeroom of your local library and intentionally misfile it in the young adult literature section. Or whisper seven very choice words into the ear of the distracting looking young redhead waiting for their 3am subway train. Or maybe he'll decide that, in this age of waning superstition, not enough people are getting interested in his games, and the knowledge of them is dangerous being lost. Maybe he'll decide he needs to get the word out a bit more, do a bit of networking, attract some new suckers, <coughs> challenges. Maybe he'll take a quick peek at your browser history, see where the impressionable, curious minds are hanging out these days. Maybe he'll even write a quick tutorial in modern parlance rather than some inscrutable, obsolete, demonological text. Post it on the internet and see how many bites he gets. <laughs> Maybe I really shouldn't have gone there. But if you made it this far without shying, a little twist at the end isn't going to put you off, is it, dear reader? I'm sure there are plenty of intrepid adventurers among you with burning questions you'd like answered. And you're all a smart bunch. You know the pitfalls, you know the conventions, you live and breathe this sort of thing, do you not? There's no way you'd fall into any of the opposite traps, right? You're not some dick or Jane off the street, after all. You'd be bringing a whole new level of competition. You would... Oh, excuse me just a moment. I think I hear someone calling for me. What? You want to know it's that badly already? Must be a hell of an imagination you've got, <laughs> you? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you call that the devil wrote this. <laughs> That's always the twist. I'm pretty sure that was the twist to my SCP as well. Yeah, obviously it's not perfect. It's a little over the top, but I, for the time it came out, I, like I thought it was really coming. good. <laughs> what is it? POV, you go over the time limit, <laughs> troll face. That's Hamilton. That's what you see in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, but I thought this was a really good one for its yeah, time, and I always really liked it. Very fond of the devil game. We have like when was it made? I have one more. I think we can, we can do. When I, get, when I first what? link to this one, it's going to look like it's long, but it doesn't fill the whole page. Don't worry. I hope you're right, because this is we're already like 48 minutes in. We'll, we'll, we'll get right into it then. <laughs> this one's called... SCP? SCP? No, that's not what I said. Can I popcorn this one to you? This one is much longer than it looks. Fuck you. No, 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 no. A lot of it is comments. You're a liar. We're going to go liar. over our time, but fuck it. All right. <clears throat> JVK1166Z.ESP. Some people might recall some momentary buzz caused a couple of years ago by a particularly odd Morrowind mod. Was this a real mod? Uh, no, I don't think so. The file name was JVK1166Z.ESP. It was never posted on any of the larger Elder Scrolls communities, usually just smaller boards and role-playing groups. I know in a few cases, rather than being posted, it was sent via PM or email to a chosen few. It was only up for a few days, to the best of my knowledge. It caused a buzz because it was a virus, or seemed to be. If you tried to load the game with the mod active, it would hang at the initial load screen for a full hour and then crash to the desktop. If you let it get that far, your install of Morrowind, along with any save files you had, would become completely corrupted. No. Nobody could figure out what the mod was trying to do since it couldn't be opened in the construction set. Eventually, warnings were distributed not to use it if you found it, and things died down. About a year later, in a mod board I used to frequent, someone popped up with the mod again. He said he was PM'd by a lurker who deleted this account immediately after sending. He also said that the person advised him to try playing the mod through DOSBox. For some reason, this worked. Sort of. 
The game was a bit laggy, and you couldn't get into options, load game, the console, or really anything else other than the game itself. The quick save and quick load hot buttons worked, but that was it. And the quick save file seemed to be just part of the game file, so you couldn't get at it anymore. Some speculated that the changed game used an older graphics renderer, making DOSBox necessary, but it didn't look any different. This part I can speak about from personal experience. When you start a new game in JVK, as far as the board came to call it, once you left the starting bit in the census office and came into the game proper, the first thing you notice is that the prophecy has been severed box pops up. This is because every single NPC having to do with the main quest is dead, with the sole exception of Yagram Bogarn, the last of the Dwemer. Their corpses never despawn, so you can go check on all of them. In effect, you begin in a world that is doomed to start with. Just like I thought when that happened. I thought when that happened tomorrow when you had to go back to your last save, doesn't there? Is that it was like you can persist in the doomed world you've created or go back to your last save. Ah. The second thing you notice is that you're losing health. It's only a bit, but it keeps happening, a little bit at a time. The longer you stay in one place, the quicker it seems to occur. If you let this health loss kill you, you'll find the cause. A figure we came to call the assassin. Assassino! Seems to wear... Assassino! I just because he seems order. To... <laughs> I forgot that was his bit. I just wanted order. <laughs> why did? Why was that his bit again? I don't know. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Assassino. I just wanted order. <laughs> uh, we have to bring Assassino back for the thumbnail. I, I think <laughs> because he seems to wear a retextured version of the Dark Brotherhood armor from Tribunal, even though the expansions don't work in JVK. It's all black, completely untextured, like he's just a hole in space. The way he moves, he gave me quite a start. The first time I saw him scuttling around my dead body, he crawls inhumanly on his hands and feet, his arms and legs splayed out like a spider. You'd usually only see him after death, crawling around and over your body, just before the reload box popped up. Occasionally, you could catch a glimpse of him darting around a corner or crawling on a wall or ceiling. It made the game very difficult to play at night. Other than that, the only noticeable difference is that at night, at random intervals, every NPC in the game will go outside for a few minutes. During this time, the only thing they will say when hailed is, Watch the sky! Once they return to their normal behavior, they act like normal, though. After a while, a player on the board discovered a new NPC named Tieris, a male Dunmer in the temple at Ghostgate. Two things are notable about this NPC. First is his robe, a unique article of clothing that was lovingly rendered with twinkling stars all across it, looking like a torn-off chunk of the night sky. The second is that all of his dialogue, in addition to showing up at the dialogue box, is voiced. You can skip it if you wish, but it all sounds like it's in the default male Dunmer voice. Some people said they thought the voice was slightly different, but it was a very, very good imitation. I won't go into the details, but the quest line he sends you on has to do with a dungeon referred to simply as the Citadel. Up until this point, the quests were all of a fairly generic discover the secrets of the ancients bent. The entrance to this dungeon is on a small island far to the west of Morrowind proper. I eventually discovered that if you used a scroll of Akarian flight at the westernmost point of the main landmass and jump directly west, you'd end up almost exactly at the island. Uh, popcorn. Even though the dungeon is called the Citadel, it goes straight down. It dwarfs any other dungeon, both in size and difficulty. From a natural cave area, proceed down into the ancestral tomb-looking area, then a Daedric ruin area, then a Dwemer ruin area. I made it down to the Dwemer ruins before I quit. The creatures here were strong enough that a level 20 character would have to take care, and since you can't use a console in JVK, level 20 took a while to get to. Since quick save and quick load are your only options, it's all too easy to get yourself into an impossible situation too. I did, and I just didn't have the energy to start over. Now, well, now what I'm telling you is based on what those few who went further reported. Past the Dwemer Ruins, you'll find yourself in a level like the Dwemer Ruins, but darker. Rather than usual bronze, all the surfaces, including those of the creatures, are black. The sounds of machinery are loud here and glow louder still, randomly. There's also steam or fog everywhere, limiting your vision to about 10 or in-game feet or so. If you can make it through all this, you'll reach a hole that those who found it called the Portrait Room. Like the firing torches or other effects from early 3D games, uh, this room has picture frames that always face directly at you, no matter how you look at them. The images in the frames were always randomly chosen images from your My Pictures folder. On the board, the ones you got there had some fun posting screenshots of the portrait room with various pictures in the frames. Usually porn, of course. Well. At the end of the hall was a locked door. After admitting defeat and returning to Rhaeus, everyone just found him saying, Watch the sky, in his gravelly voice. What's more, nobody else in the game would say anything. It was just a completely blank dialogue box with no options at all. They wouldn't even rattle off the usual canned audible greetings. The only exception was at night. Whenever they go out for a few minutes, they'd still repeat it. Watch the sky. 
At this point, one of the players, a friend of mine from the board, noticed, and a few others who got this far agreed, that the night sky was no longer the usual night sky at Tamriel. It changed to a depiction of a real night sky, and it moved. From this point on, everything is based either on as one person reported. Eventually, he got himself kicked from the board, but I kept in contact with him for as long as he responded. According to him, based on the constellations and planets, the sky started around February 2005. If he died, loaded, or went back into the Citadel, it would start over. When the usual day sky graphics took over, the movement would suspend until the stars appeared again. In the space of a single night, everything would move about two months' worth. Since the timescale of JVK was more or less that of the standard game, that meant that a bit less than an hour was equivalent to a 24-hour period. He became convinced that the door would open based on some kind of celestial event. Of course, waiting for that meant leaving the game running. Of course, that meant the game could be left unattended thanks to our old friend the assassin. My friend decided to hang out for a whole day just to see if anything happened. That would be about a year's worth of movement. Here's the post he made at the end of the experiment. I loaded in Satanine where it all starts. It wasn't too bad, just had to check in now and then to move around and heal to make sure I wasn't dying. But check it out! 24 hours exactly in, and the assassin learned a new trick. He screams! I was reading, and all of a sudden, this crazy loud shriek just about makes me cramp myself. It's like something out of a horror movie. I look up, and there he is, just crouched down right in front of me. Of course, the second I moved my character, he ran off. When I went back to the port down to the portrait room, the door was still locked. Damn it, damn it, damn it! A bit later, he came to the decision that he needed to wait three days, three years. The PM advising us to try DOSBOX showed up in February of 2008, was his reasoning anyway. After the first shriek, the assassin stops hitting you out of nowhere. And I will shriek, and if you don't move for a few seconds after that, he hits you. I think whoever made the mod was trying to help. At night, I've got my headphones on, I was just kind of dozing off. When he wakes me up with a shriek, I jiggle the mouse and I'm good. That post is two days in from his laptop. Fuck, 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 fuck. So fucking done. So I wait the three days, right? And right after the fucking assassin made me jiggle the mouse, he shrieks again. So I look, and everyone in town is outside. They're all saying, watch the sky. I don't see anything, though. But then the game starts getting dark, like really dark. I turn up the brightness all the way in my monitor, I can still barely see. I can still people in the game, little figures running around in the distance, just running back and forth. I try to get close, they run off. Now I was trying to sleep. The lights are off. This is kind of creepy. I got sneeze. <laughs> the assassin made me sneeze. I don't want to get up to turn on my light because I don't want to miss anything, but nothing fucking happens. Eventually I go back to the Citadel. It's still dark, and I gotta swim, and the whole time I can see all these guys swimming around me, just barely there. I make it to the Citadel, and it's normal light inside, and I get worried. Sure enough, the portrait door is still fucking closed. I go outside, and it's all starting over. So that's it. I'm fucking going to bed, and I'm fucking done. The end. Uh, popcorn. After that, two things happen. First, another of the people who got to, to the portrait room claimed that the assassin was showing up in his regular Morrowind game. Quick explanation. If you reinstalled Morrowind to a different folder, you could have a normal Morrowind install along with JVK. He himself no, no, chalked no. it up to an... What? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he himself chalked it up to an overactive imagination at first, but he reported a couple of really big scares with the black figure crawling right at him or seeing it waiting for him just around a corner before scuttling off. Another of those who reached the portrait room started a regular Morrowind game, but never saw him for sure. It was just a couple of maybes, late at night and always at a distance. The second is that my friend started getting really abusive and short-tempered on the board, though he stopped talking about JVK entirely. It got so bad that he was soon kicked off. I didn't hear anything from him for a couple of weeks after that, so I sent him an email. This was part of his reply. I know I shouldn't, but with classes out, I've got some time, so I started JVK up again. It's almost 2011, and I think I've got the sleep mat. Oh, is he trying to get to 2012? Maybe. And I think I've got the sleep madness. But stuff is happening. It's still dark. Once it gets dark, it never gets any lighter. It stays like that. The people moved a few months ago. Everyone in Sedanin just went to that little bandit cave and moved in. They killed the bandits inside, and now they're just standing around inside. They don't say anything anymore. They don't do anything when you click on them. I quick saved and killed one, and he just stood there until he died without fighting back. And it's like that everywhere. You have to walk, since the quick travel people are all in caves now, too. But all the cities and towns are just deserted. All the people are in caves and tombs. Everyone in Vivek is down in the sewers. I'm going to Ghostnet Gate next. I want to see if Tiaris is still there. I'll tell you what he says when I get there. 
I replied and said I wanted to see what he said too and waited the day. When I didn't get a reply, I mailed him again. And a couple of hours later, he sent back, Sorry, I totally forgot. So it's 2014 now, since it's always night. The stars are always moving. The whole screen is dark, but you can still see the brightest stars moving around. Terrace was gone. Everyone in Ghostgate was gone. I don't know where they went. They're not in any of the nearby caves, but there's new stuff. People still don't say anything, but their eyes are bleeding. It's so dark that even with a light spell, you have to get right up against them to see. But there they are, little dark streaks coming down from their eyes. I think i got to be getting close. I know this is stupid, and there's no way the payoff is going to be worth it, but I just want to be able to say I stuck it out. I got that one during the day. Later that night, I got a follow-up email. Some of the planets are moving right. Aren't moving right. It's pissing me off. If this keeps up, I won't be able to keep track anymore. Damn. It's almost 2015 now, I think. Fuck! You know, I just now noticed that there aren't any monsters anymore either. I'm completely alone outside now. The main quest people's bodies are still lying around, though. I went to check on them. I don't need headphones anymore, so I just leave them off. When he shrieks, it's like he's screaming right into my ear. I think I even kind of anticipate it. He's around a lot more now, a lot closer. He's different from the other people who started showing up, remember? They keep running around, just where I can barely see them. I have to admit, it's kind of creepy at night. Sometimes when I go to the bathroom or whatever, I swear I can see something out of the corner of my eye. I'm keeping all the lights on now. I sent him a letter, jokingly telling him to get some real sleep, and left it at that. What do you mean, jokingly? He needs to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let the bugs back. Two mornings later, I found this in my email. It was the last thing I got from him. After this, he stopped responding completely. I just got up from a fucked up dream, I think. The assassin shrieked at me, and when I opened my eyes, he was right there, crouching over me. His arms and legs were longer, more like a spider's. I tried to push him away, but when I touched him, my hands just went inside and I couldn't get them loose again, like he was made of tar or something. Then I woke up. I thought he was gone, but when I looked at the monitor, I wasn't where I was. I was in the corpusarium with Yagrim. For once, the light was okay, and I could see him all bloated on those mechanical spider legs. I sat down at the computer, and he started talking to me. Not in a box, but really talking to me, in Tiaris's voice. He knew things about me. He told me things that I never told anyone. Some things I totally forgot about. He told me that almost nobody had made it this far, and that the door would open up soon. I just had to hang on a little while longer. He said I'd know when it was time. He said I might be the first one to see what was inside. And then I woke up for real, but I was at the computer. I still wasn't where I was. I'm swimming out to the Citadel Island, and I can hear this tapping. It's at my window. It's over on the left, so I'm sending you this because I left my laptop by my bed to the right. Just a little tap, 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 like he's knocking his finger against the glass. I might still be dreaming now. So I guess that's the end of the story. I know there's a few other stories floating around about the mod, but this is the only uh, the only I know is true as far as it goes. I deleted my JVK copy of the game pretty much right after I gave up, but I'd like to get the mod again if anyone still has a copy of the file. I'd like to see some of this for myself. Um, don't do that. I want the, the assassin to come after me in real life. <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun together. <laughs> maybe not a good idea, okay? Um, Joey, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, shut up, uh, Serenity. Fuck you. That's that's her name, right? Joey's sister. Alright. Here we go. You ready for some comments? Yeah, absolutely. Give me some comments. Alright. <clears throat> uh, first from Adji, we have, Can't believe we lost Darnell to instant death disease. Rip. <laughs> I, 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 got be- I got better. I'm here, right? Really? Check your organs. God damn it. Alright, the next one is from Three Yellow Arrows, a.k.a. Crowcat. He says, Oh shit, you guys are going to read Ted the Cave. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the best horror stories on the internet, and it would also be a terrible choice for the podcast, LMFAO. It is a slow burn story, and also quite long, so I don't know if you'd get the creepier stuff in a single episode. But I look forward to listening to you guys in any case. Also, Sorry. there seems to be some disease going around on my campus. Everyone who gets it has all their organs disappear. Huh? Someone just slipped a note under my door. It says something. Instant death disease? Uh, and then Comedy Man Kelp says, um, that just happened. It's implying, of course, that Comedy Man Kelp is on it, so it's underneath the door. Got him. What an evil little fellow. Uh, so this is says, my finest so- comedy. Oh, this one might be the best. So Max says, sorry, not sorry, not going to care about instant death disease. Hearing the key in the door every evening was my own creepy pasta for 20 years. <laughs> That's really good. 
Uh, an anomalous writer says, I can't believe instant death disease results in dying. Also, big sad Darnell has abandoned dust, frowny face. Yeah, I came back. I'm really sorry. I just had to get a little bit of milk, okay? Milk and cigarettes. And summon him from a mirror so we could do the podcast. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Tanhony, yeah. um, how long has the recording been going for? Oh, no. 64 minutes. It's, yeah, we, you better wrap this up quick. <laughs> uh, D- Guare SCP says, I wrecked to Darnell it will get worse in instant death disease a long ago, so it is nice finally seeing them here. I can't wait for your last Halloween episode. This month has been really fun. Yeah, Since I agree. These 50 days have truly been fun. They truly have, truly have been fun. Uh, Dinkledang says, Mr. Bloodshine is a menace. I opened up Wii Sports and Mr. Bloodshine and Wii Boxing kept knocking me out and emoting over my limp body. That's so scary. Uh, Comedy Man Kelps says, another great episode, guys. Tan and Darnell's chemistry was excellent. The stories were all engaging and the commentary was hilarious and on point. I was not present in the Dealey Plaza on November 22nd, 1963. <laughs> Keep it up, fellas. What did he do uh, this? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's probably a reference to... Uh, what is that? Watergate? I don't know what Dealey Plaza is. Yeah, he... <laughs> I don't think it's a reference to Watergate. What is it? I'm looking it up. Uh, it's where JFK was assassinated. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Steve-O Esk says, so in the last story, the guy's in the hotel. There's no TV and he avoids the radio. He just heard a report in the car about people dying in pain. Uh, fun episode, guys. Going through the worst usually makes you appreciate the best. So true. Uh, JT left a really long comment, but how about you read it? Okay. Commenting this at the Dota 2 International. It's pretty epic, but I still gotta do my DSCP comment, real one. In the future, if you are at, um, like, a cool event like that, do not feel the need to comment on the DSCP episode. Enjoy the event to the fullest. The real Halloween okay. were the friends who made a longer way, for real, until Aaron Rager kills kill, kill Disney or something. <laughs> what do you mean by this? I've actually never really know. interacted with Halloween culture until recently. Since I'm not a Halloween party person in my teens, I would just play Overwatch with my friends. But now that I'm less of a wuss, I'm appreciating spooky things more. I know you guys hate SCP, so I'll recommend some horror comics. Rose Hell yeah. All of these are on Webtoon and are generally less well-known. Stagtown by Punko Pop. The stories of a girl who returns to her creepy hometown while she talks about her weird experiences. Nocturne by Fia. An anthology of non-connected creepy stories. This one does body horror very well. Both of these are very Junji Ito type stuff. And Yarn both is really good. I highly recommend. Speaking of recommend, I'm listening to Pretending to Be People soon. Have a spooky yes. time, guys. Smile. Do that. Listen to Pretending to Be People. It's so good. Also, it's been over 60 minutes, 60 seconds. No, so my body. <laughs> mm, I can't oh, wait to my do such sin. so rich. The demons are getting me. <laughs> Hold on. Queen Elizabeth is already dead. Who's next? <laughs> you fool. I have a good imagination, but it's positive, so I'm just going to make servants. Nice. I'm going to make Paradisus. <laughs> I'm going to uh, become a mirror creature. And then lastly, Orchid Streams says, Poor Yoshi getting muscle cramps. I know that feel, bud. Anyways, can't believe we only have one more creepypasta episode left, and then we'll be back to the inferior SCPs. <laughs> but all good things must come to an end, and all good things require suffering. Don't be sad that it's gone. Smile, because it happened. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I had a lot of fun. I'm going to miss creepypastas, but they will be back next Halloween. Um, So go back to recommending SCPs, which we won't read, because Tan will pick some out at the last minute for us. Thank you. Um, Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm very excited, though, to see some SCPs again with a fresh mind. I I feel like i got a refresh over October. I, I will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.